Welcome to episode 79 of All the Small Takes. We're back after what we're describing as our uh, Small Takes holiday. And we're back. It's been over a month since our last podcast, but we're excited to be here. We've got a ton to catch up on here on a Monday with John and Cooper. Monday afternoon, we've all got the day off. So uh, guys, how's it going? How's the weather in your parts of the Midwest? It's just as cold as it is here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, it's 19 degrees in fair here in Bloomington, Indiana. <laughs> it's cold. It's beige. So, yeah. And Cooper, it must be especially cold in your self-proclaimed man cave, which is cold to begin with. It's actually fun. I haven't put on like a beanie yet or gloves. Um, it's typically really cold down here, but I'm okay right now. We need we need a thermometer on the wall so we can do like the CBS thermometer shot. Ooh, we should. In, in like Green Bay or Buffalo. <laughs> All right, we're doing that after okay. the show. Yeah, I think that should be an addition. Yeah, we'll uh, take that. It's 13 in Columbus, Ohio with, quote, plentiful sunshine. So at least there's that. I'm pretty sure it's like kind of working like an igloo down here. Like the snow is kind of keeping me insulated a little bit. Right, that's what I'm telling myself. Yeah, I don't know if the science checks out there. But... <laughs> I don't know if that's how it works, but sure. Why not? Sure. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, it's good to be back with you guys. We hope everyone had a, a nice holiday. Now it's back to business, back to work. Uh, first, before we get into any sports, you can check us out on Twitter at Small Takes. Instagram, small underscore takes, even though we haven't updated Instagram probably in a year and a half. No, but I have started paying attention to Instagram, trying to get a feel for Instagram. Okay. Are yeah. we pivoting? Maybe we'll pivot to the gram then. I think we should pivot to the gram. It's hard to pivot to the gram when you're mainly in audio kind of. Uh, content so i don't know we'll think about it okay i believe, in it. I believe in it too <laughs> uh and facebook is equally uh yeah we should delete that one dormant <laughs> i don't even know the password for that i still i'm still logged in so <laughs> yeah I think I have i've got the keys um, and email all the small takes at gmail.com. That one is only active insofar as we get an alert every time our Squarespace uh, payment bounces. <laughs> <laughs> so that one we need to keep active, but if someone yeah, else wants to slide into the, <laughs> the inbox, <laughs> or if you would like to provide seed funding for our monthly Squarespace uh, charge, <laughs> you can hit us up uh, all the small takes at gmail.com. <laughs> Uh, all right. <laughs> oh, we should get a Venmo. The Venmo would be the most important social platform. <laughs> John, you can maybe you can be our John's our CFO, so he'll manage the Venmo. <laughs> CFO and CLO, and he's frozen, <laughs> so he's not our CTO. Uh, all right. So as we start 2019, I wanted to first just our first podcast up 2019. Do you guys have any? New Year's resolutions. Mine is to do a podcast more often than once every five weeks. So um, <laughs> we'll start there. And uh, do you guys have anything else? Any New Year's resolutions? Yeah, I was going to try and get a picture of myself shaking hands with uh, Sean McVay. <laughs> you angling for the... Uh... I'm just angling for the next head coaching head coach opening in the NFL. <laughs> That's insane. That's so crazy. <laughs> giving so much money to these guys. And I think it was the Cardinals when they hired Cliff Kingsbury. They weren't even uh, like veiled about it. They just said in the like press release that he's, he's a he he's a friend of Cliff. He's a friend of Sean McVay. 
He texted Sean McVay five times last year. Yeah. So basically, if you're young, you know Sean McVay, and you have well-groomed facial hair, there's a job waiting for you in the National Football League. So we can check. Maybe we can each check one of those boxes. <laughs> I can't grow facial hair. Just I, I can't grow facial hair. Throwing that out full, there. So full we, we, we might need to come up with another way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Cooper, I like that. <laughs> Keep us I don't know. There's like Rogaine for facial hair, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that works. Uh, John, do you have any New Year's resolutions? John, do you have a New Year's resolution? Um, <laughs> get to a place with better Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a really rough start of the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. New Year's resolutions uh, for the team. So we have doing podcasts more regularly, uh, meeting and taking a, fo- a photographed handshake, having a photographed handshake with Sean McVay, and then uh, basic Wi-Fi. So if anyone wants to help us in support of those New Year's resolutions, I think John would be the one that's in most need. So you can direct funds to the Venmo. Uh, all right. Relegation update. It's been a long time, and I think... Cooper actually is going to take the lead on this relegation update for a change. Cooper, take it away. So we can let Sean go. I want to hear the words come out of John's mouth. All right. Um, (laughs) Trying to add this up. Now I got to navigate back to it. Um, That'll be another twenty. So uh, we haven't done a relegation update in a while, but we are in. uh, I'll vamp a bit while we're on the way there. Um, We are in the midst of FA Cup season, which is a pain um, for schedule. It's a pain for something. We'll see how this goes. Um, (laughs) uh, So Arsenal right now sits just three points out of playing in Europe. Um, So that's pretty exciting. Um, We smashed Chelsea this weekend, which I'm sure everyone is excited about um, because Chelsea is up there. They're almost the worst. Tottenham's the worst um, for all, all you keeping score at home. However, it appears that, um, by some miracle, Man United actually has a positive goal differential. So due to procedures and everything, they're actually not in, rele- in the relegation zone right now, um, which is pretty wild. Um, they'll probably who, get sent back. Who are they tied with? Too long. Because um, they already fired one coach. So, you know, if you fire one coach, you might as well fire two. That's the, what they say in the Premier League. Um, you know, <laughs> that, that's a thing. Um, and... <laughs> No, continue. We're just laughing. So yeah, I, I don't I don't know what you guys are reacting to. I don't know which part of this it was, but, <laughs> but I'm done. All right, so there we go. All right, so a more clear update that John did not give. Uh, United cut the distance of eight points between them and Arsenal since firing Jose Mourinho uh, to zero. So United now sits tied with Arsenal, uh, only behind on goal differential, which they have increased by, I think, twelve goals since their new managers. Uh, taking the helm. So Man U has won seven straight games, um, which is pretty good. And I think they're making a pretty good run at the top four and are far away from getting relocated. It won't happen. Can we talk about how, so the last, I think the last time we podcasted was prior to the small take summit that we basically spoke the Jose Mourinho firing into existence during that weekend. It happened like the next day. It was great. Well, I told you it was going to happen. 
You can't right. lose to Liverpool like whatever they lost to three to one, unless you're Arsenal. Then you go and lose like five to one or whatever the score was. Um, yeah, Jose was gonna get fired. It needed to happen. I wanted him to get fired so bad, and you can see what happened. It's not like um, his, so the new manager's name is uh, Oli Gunnar, Gunnar Solskjaer. That's a tough Norwegian name. Um, anyways, he hasn't brought in any new players. Uh, he's actually played Paul Pogba, so that's weird. When you play the club's best player, your team actually performs. Um, and I think Paul Pogba has had like five goals and six assists in seven games or something ridiculous. Um, so the club's playing a lot better under him. He's a former player of United, and I think he gets it. Um, he's a really good goal scorer, prolific goal scorer, actually, for the club. Um, and kind of shows... And it's kind of this weird thing that happens in sports, but especially in soccer. And um, I think we talked about it, like when new coaches come in for whatever reason it typically just kind of rejuvenates the team um just kind of weird considering they're not giving any prep time but it's definitely worked in united's case i don't know if it'll continue for the whole season i still think the team is relatively weak but it's working in the short term silence that's what i wanted okay awesome yeah, i i have nothing to add uh let's talk about the mls for a second so in columbus news the city i live in the crew are officially saved. They're officially staying in Columbus. The Haslam family, which owns the Browns, stepped up and bought the team. But the former owner is still planning. I don't know how official this is. This is where I'll turn to you guys. Because the plan was to move the crew to Austin. Now he still wants to have a franchise in Austin. But because the crew are staying, I think some math here, just doing some, some basic calculus, they're going to need to create a team or get another franchise to, to move and I, I know mls just went through a round of expansion and it was rather arduous and drawn out so how is austin like how does that work now <laughs> i'm gonna give john a chance to unfreeze and respond i'm sorry are we, are we talking about this thing <laughs> <laughs> no john this is this is the podcast where we're now we're just kicking it uh, Cooper, okay, same job. I got it. Okay, so I'm pretty sure where I read, um, Precourt was giving so Precourt's the uh, owner of the crew, or was the owner of the crew. He gave away his ownership rights to the Haslam family, so they could own the crew, and then he is getting rights to an expansion club in Austin. So he's going to build that club um, from the ground up, and I think it will debut with Miami in 21. I think. So was this an unplanned expansion spot, though? Or kind of. No, part? they were going to add two more expansion spots. So there was okay. always going to be like another round after Cincinnati and Nashville. Miami right. was always guaranteed a slot, and I think they wanted to add two more additional to that. And so it's like Austin's taking one of those. I still think the other one will be Sacramento. But St. Louis is making a pretty strong push because I'm pretty sure they just got their stadium plan approved. So, I don't know. It's getting interesting. But yeah, yeah, no, the Austin, it wasn't like necessarily a planned one, but um, I mean, they were kind of planning to add a couple more teams. So, why not go ahead and move to Austin? It's a little. Well, uh, the MLS had signed an agreement um, previously, I think with both sides, with the Columbus guy that he could move a team down there. Mm -hmm. And also with Austin, they were going to build something down there. So, they were going to be subject to some sort of legal sanctions. Um, for just for breach of contract, not like a huge deal, but you know you, you were gonna have to pay somebody off um, if they didn't bring it there. So, 
Um, yeah, they, I don't know. I don't know who in the MLS is actually running things yet. They're entering into agreements like that. Hmm. Okay. Sounds about par for the course for MLS expansion mm, yeah. in, that, in that it's makes no sense. But happy the crew are staying. The new ownership seems very invested. The city is very excited. New stadium plans. Get stadium the, location is awesome. Stadium location is great. You get the classic renderings that get everyone excited. And the the art, stadium won't look anything like that. No, it will not. Yeah. But the artist renderings look very cool. And uh, speaking of new stadiums, Cooper, any updates from the FC Cincinnati? Any ground being broken? Yeah, ground was broken a couple months ago. I mean, it's, we're still like a long way away. Um, because I mean, we have two state two seasons in UC's football stadium, Nippert, uh, which is fine. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We're making progress. Pretty much, I think FC Cincinnati is only looking at probably acquiring maybe one or two more players. Uh, the squad's assembled, um, and they're probably going to be bad, but maybe not as bad as Minnesota. So that's good. That's cool. Right. Embrace cool. the tank. Trust the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should, I mean, we yeah. can't all be Atlanta and spend a ton of money on our football clubs. Yeah. Be Arthur Blank and spend stupid amounts of money. Yeah. Cause you, cause you can't win a super bowl. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of super bowls, that's a good natural segue into, so we're going to, we have so much to catch up on. We're going to talk NFL playoffs first and foremost, cause we're on the heels of conference championship Sunday, yesterday. We are, we're not, the absence from the podcast was not just us ducking any negative Notre Dame talk. I want to be, uh, accountable i think we as a podcast should be accountable for the notre dame clemson semifinal we'll talk college football playoff after but we're gonna start with the nfl because it just happened uh let's start with ram saints because that was the biggest controversy of the weekend in terms of the no call on the pass interference the the no call times three the no call cubed is what i think we should coin it because mm-hmm. as cooper clarified not only should it have been pass interference and targeting but also defenseless receiver so the trifecta missed by the uh by the refs there um do you guys think i'm not even gonna ask this obviously should have been a penalty the defender the cornerback for the rams went so far post game to say yes i was trying to interfere i was trying to basically do everything i could to not allow a touchdown do you think this kind of play should be reviewable and under what circumstances cooper we can start with you I think it has to be reviewable. I think I Okay, so I think the easier solution is just to change the penalty from being spotted the foul penalty to a 15-yard penalty like it is in college. Um it's too influential as is now to not be reviewable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think pass interference in the NFL where it's a spot of foul penalty and oftentimes as Joe Flacco has perfected just magically kind of comes up with 45-yard penalties and it's assuming a catch. Um which isn't guaranteed. Like I think at that point it has to be reviewed. I think it's almost as influential on the game. I don't like I don't have stats to back this up. I think it'd be hard to find stats to back this up. But it seems almost as influential as like a turnover, which is reviewable in the NFL. Um and so I think if you're going to keep the penalty as is, it has to be reviewable. Granted the fifteen yard switch like is in college football doesn't fix the problem that we had yesterday. Um but yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know. It's tough because you don't want to go to the monitor like every, you know, so often because it already seems like they're going to the monitor frequently. But I don't know why like a ref is like we have New York, I guess, in their 
headsets, like why can't he just quickly say like you need to look at that? Um, I don't know. It's too influential of a call to not be reviewable and get the call right. I, I don't know. I, I I think it's it. I, so you're asking, should we be able to throw a challenge flag and say, wait, we're going to review that play that just happened because we think we didn't make the right call? And I think that's a little or, weird. Or like, just do it like under two minutes. This is probably the most viable proposal. Is like do it last two minutes of the half and have it be booth initiated. Because then it negates so, some of what Cooper said of you're going to the monitor every three plays. Mm-hmm. Well, that would make every incomplete pass in theory reviewable for pass interference, um, right? Sure. Yeah. I So I don't really like that idea. Um, I, I like the idea of, I don't know, reviewing whether or not a play is actually pass interference. But I think pass interference has become like holding where it's basically on every play. Like if you're a cornerback in the NFL, you kind of have to do pass interference. Um, just because of, I don't know, how good the offenses are, or maybe just they're not learning how to be good cornerbacks in college because colleges don't care about that. I have no idea. Um, but, like, I mean, that was one of the big critiques of Julian Love all year at Notre Dame. He, he was an All-American, but he a lot of opposing coaches said, well, he just commits pass interference on every play. Um, you know, so I don't know. I, I think pass interference, I'm more in line with Cooper. I mean, I almost wish the college would make it a spot foul so there would be consistency between the two games um, because there are times when, like, people just get, you know, taken out and the ball needs to move down the field. I don't, I don't have super strong opinions either way about reviewing it or not. I mean, the referees miss things. They miss things all the time. And you can put another, another referee on the field or something, or you can, I don't know, pay them a whole lot more so maybe they pay attention more or something like that. I don't know how you fix the problem beyond, take like, increasing the number of referees you have or just decreasing and saying, Hey, get used to not having like, <laughs> we're going to miss calls and we're probably going to miss a lot of them. So just don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> part of the game. I mean, I think ultimately, I think the easier thing is to not do anything. Keep the rule as is the ref shouldn't miss that call. Right. I mean, that's like, <laughs> he just, there's no reason to miss that call. There are two of them standing within five yards of the play. And there are three penalties to choose from. Like the call shouldn't have been missed. It's almost as egregious as Alshon Jeffrey dropping the ball and like causing an interception or D Ford lining off upsides. Like that's that was the error. It cost the Saints the game. It, the call shouldn't have been missed in the first place. Like I don't know. I think it would be a little bit of an overreaction to say, "Hey, we need to review." And yeah, really, the rest have just made the call. And I think we should maybe the easier solution is just to hold referees in the NFL a little bit more accountable. Kind of like we do in the NBA, which is not like a debated topic. Like the like last two minute report we get, where it's like outlines what calls were missed. But I don't think there is any accountability in the NFL for officiating, which has been pretty bad this year. But what does accountability get you in this situation? And there was accountability in so much as Sean Payton was apparently was, if you believe him, contacted by the league office within minutes of the game ending, letting them know that the referees missed it. So like I, I don't think short of like even yeah, if but you is say that those refs it... will never do a playoff game again, for example, it doesn't change the outcome of what happened yesterday. And I, I don't think we should have replay on pass interference because we were we're going down the what is a catch like that's mm-hmm. even an even more of a gray area. So, but I don't I don't get the accountability. Yeah, but how ask. much is like Sean well, Payton getting that call just because he's like part of the competition committee? Like, is that something that like all NFL head coaches are like guaranteed? I mean, I, I think the easy thing to do 
is if you're really that concerned about people missing the, the calls, you should just be able to challenge penalties. Like you can challenge any other play. Um, I guess, I don't know what the rule, like maybe you can't challenge things under two minutes anyway. And I don't, is that the rule? Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So if this was under two minutes, that wouldn't change it. But I mean, there, there's a clear movement on the NFL's part to say, look, under two minutes, things just happen and we're just going to deal with it. So they can either say, look, you can challenge it if you think it was terrible and you can do it under two minutes, which I think is the right avenue to have it in, not just to have these automatic reviews of things, because I think any time you introduce review into a game, into a live sporting event, it just, it's not a good thing to have. I mean, I, mm-hmm. it's, well, it, it takes away momentum and things. It takes yeah. away momentum. It slows everything down. And then it's like, you know, the, the people aren't there to watch, you know, to listen to Dean Blandino, tell them what he thinks is going on. <laughs> and like, and I'm going to jump ahead to the Notre Dame game a bit. I just got so viscerally frustrated with the referees making, or the, with the, the, in the, the booth referee, just going, oh, yeah, no, this is clearly that. Yeah. And then just, you know, moving on with his life. And it's like, what are you doing? Why Why am I even listening to you? I don't care. Um, so, yeah, I think we should just, if we're really that concerned about it, then you, you can challenge things in a, under two minutes. And when, the, when a referee makes a call, you can challenge their call. Because I think you should be able to, because sometimes, like, I don't know, roughing the passer is clearly not roughing the passer. Like there's a lot of instances where they where I feel like some of the NFL referees just take shortcuts, but they're like, uh, you know, his arm went from the upper right quadrant to the lower left, probably pass interference, you know, probably this, probably that, you know, they probably bumped him off the line. And if you're really that concerned about it, you've got a mechanism there, which is the challenge flag. I don't know. Give him another challenge flag. Let him challenge, you know, calls made by officials. That's I think that's the way to do it. Throw a purple, throw a purple bean bag for your. Like, I mean, it's like also probably worth colored flag. It's probably Sorry. also worth mentioning that like pass interference is somewhat review, reviewable already, right? Like if uh pass interference is called, but then the ball is tipped or not tipped, like they can review to see whether or not that ball was tipped, um, and either cancel out the penalty. So like, I don't know. We might already not be that far away from reviewing pass interference in the first place. I don't know. Oh, that call should it just should have been made. It should have yeah. been. Made. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so John, you hinted at it. The we'll, we can transition to the Pats Chiefs game. Um, the pass interference or not pass interference, roughing the passer call yeah. uh, on Tom Brady was the one that people will point to. Um, there's also I'm, I'm seeing calls for the overtime format to be changed. Um, there were obviously multiple video reviews in the Pats Chiefs game. I think they got both of the big ones right. The Edelman punt. Uh, field that miraculously did not graze his thumb or bicep. Still like boneheaded for even trying. He is. He is. Um, also, someone tweeted that I thought was funny that the Pats are undefeated in games where we have to zoom in with like the power of a thousand cameras to see if Julian Edelman <laughs> did something or not. Um, and then the Chris Hogan one-handed catch over the middle. And to the point we were talking about this earlier, that's one of those that is probably just going to go whichever way it's called in the field. Mm-hmm. That it's it's so hard to overturn that, but I just want to say before we talk about any of that stuff that I, this is the, I I wrote off this Patriots team on this podcast. I was down on them all year, and they've found an identity in the last five weeks that is unlike, like when was the last time that a Patriots team had an identity that involved running the football? 
Like I, it just never has been a part of a Tom Brady offense. And they ran the ball 48 times last night. They completely in the first half took the chiefs offense out of the game. I think the chiefs had like less than nine minutes of possession. And like, that's just not a style of football. Like the Patriots have never had a balanced attack like the way they have this year. And I was just, I mean, it was like a textbook Belichick. It's crazy. Cause Belichick doesn't even like running his best running back. I know. He Sony Michelle, like on the bench. <laughs> well, Sony, Sony had a lot of carries in the first half last night, and I, I think he was but rightfully a little gassed. Um, there were some uh, questionable, what, like the fourth down give to Burkhead. Um, when you've got the arguably the greatest short yardage back in NFL history, and his name is Tom Brady, um, just get, let him sneak over the center. But anyway, I thought that was a masterclass of game planning by Belichick, and I... This is a different Patriots team than I've I've watched in this like I, know, I guess now eighteen year stretch, um, completely different than any team I've I've had the chance to watch. So wanted to say that. Um, you oh, guys thoughts on the game? Thank you, I appreciate that. It must, it must be really like nice for you to finally have like a good sports team. Yeah, it's root you know, for three months. Three months after your last one, is that that is that? Yeah, it's been it's been a painful drought. Thank you for acknowledging. I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> um. But anyway, so the over, we can maybe talk about the overtime rules because we were having some spirited debate about this earlier. I think it's a huge overreaction to say that you now need to give both teams a chance to possess the ball in the overtime when they've changed the rule now to where a field goal doesn't win you the game. Like The Chiefs had three third and tens where they had the chance to get off the field and the Patriots converted all three of them. So... I, I don't, and then the Saints Rams game that like you saw the Saints won the toss and then the Rams defense made a play. So I don't think it's necessarily right to say, like, oh, this is now a real change we need to make. I, I just think as long as you're going to have a clock running, why don't you just use the clock and say, we're going to play a 15 minute overtime period and that's how the game is going to end. The game is going to end once again when the clock strikes zero. Um, and that'll be that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I like I, I like it in the regular season because when 15 minutes runs out, you just have a tie. And when neither team has played well enough to win the game, neither team wins the game. I think in the in the playoffs, someone's got to play well enough to win. And I don't think you can just do one drive. I, I think I think you probably should just play 15 minutes until at the end of 15. Just keep doing these periods until finally. One team wins. Hmm. Okay, so I think it's... I don't know if criminal is the right word. Yeah, sure, we'll go with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's criminal that the MVP of the regular season doesn't get to touch the ball with the game on the line. Um, And ultimately, I mean, we were talking about this before, and you guys, yeah, and defense is important, sure, but it's not. Like it's just not when you have the sure the Rams and the Patriots had the worst defenses in comparison to their matchups yesterday, but still the top four offenses were playing at the end of the year, right? Like those were the four remaining teams. And I think when you are giving the team to only one the ball, the only one offense, I think there's something wrong with that. And I think, I mean, ultimately we're saying the MVP didn't get to touch the ball with the game on the line. And if the Chiefs would have had the ball, then we're saying the greatest player of all time doesn't get to touch the ball with the game on the line. And so I think there's like something 
wrong with that. I don't necessarily know what the solution is because I don't love college football either because then we just get weird situations like Texas A&M LSU, which isn't a football game at that point. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Um, <laughs> it's not, like, that's not football. And I do think there's something to be said. Like, at the end of the game, like, defenses are tired. Like, the offense has an advantage. I, I mean, we could go back, but it really felt like at the end of that game, either team was going to score, right? Like, the Chiefs would have scored a touchdown at the end of that game if they didn't have to kick a field goal because time ran out. Like the Patriots weren't stopping the Chiefs and the Chiefs weren't stopping the Patriots because there does seem to be like an offensive advantage in those situations because defenses get tired easier. It's easier to know what you're going to do versus predicting what your opponent is going to do. So I don't know. I think something needs to change. Maybe it is just like playing a full 15 minute period and seeing what happens. Kind of like hockey, but not like hockey because no, like, yeah. no, ho- no, hockey is sudden death. Yeah. 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 I mean, defense does matter, but go ahead, John. Sorry. I, I was just saying, like, I just think it makes sense. You know, it, they don't have to change really anything they do right now. It's just like in the regular season, except, well, I mean, well, the regular season's dumb. So they do need to change the rules. Sorry. I'm trying to make this easy. <laughs> for and I'm trying not to be super critical, but I'm going to be critical. And they've got a dumb overtime system. And I don't, I honestly don't know why they do it the way they do. Cause they just, it's like they just want the game to end. And everything else about the NFL tells us they want to make these games as long as physically possible. You know, it's like, let's have more commercials. Let's kick the ball off and then go to a commercial. I mean, that's the only reason the kickoff is still here is because it provides a natural break for another commercial to happen. So the reason the <laughs> point's still here because it's a natural break for another commercial to happen. Um, and it's like, you could do the same thing. You'd have commercials all through overtime. I mean, if we're really that concerned about defenses being tired out, then you have another timeout. At, you know, instead of three timeouts, you get four or, you know, you get a timeout in under two minutes or there's, I mean, all these things you, you, you could do. And I mean, the NFL is probably not going to change anything, which is fine because I still enjoy watching the game. Um, it's, I'm not going to like lose sleep over this, but I think it's an imperfect product and maybe whatever the United football league or whatever it is that's starting up in a couple months, um, like the alliance actually not even a couple months. there are like three different like sub like like new leagues yeah. starting yeah well the, that the alliance is the one kicking off the week after the super bowl um and i don't know maybe they'll they're supposed to be experimenting with rule changes and things so maybe they'll do something like that i don't know i could see this being like where rules change because ultimately this- like rules do change from things happening to big time quarterbacks like that's yeah. how we get the tough rule that's how we get like just lots of rule changes um but That's how we got I, the first overtime rule change from because it used to be like in 2009, right? Like you could win a game by kicking a field goal, which was stupid. They, they decided it was dumb, but I mean, he's happened he, in Saints Vikings game, I think 2009 playoffs. Yeah, I don't I don't think this is I mean, if it had happened to Tom Brady, then I'm sure the rule would have been changed. I, I think that's fine. There would definitely happened. Jeff. You no, can. I disagree with that assertion. I do. I just disagree with that. There would be way more pressure to change the rule, which I think might be fair because he is the greatest player of all time. But there would definitely be more pressure to change. I think there'd be pressure, but no. So there would be more ire on the Patriots' defense. And to prove the point that defense does matter, and that what happened at the end of that game was a reflection of the Chiefs having a sub-par defense. The top. Like, let's see. Let's see. I pulled up some stats here. The Rams were the second uh, best in terms of yards per game defensively. The Pats were fourth, and the Saints were fifth. The Chiefs were all the way down at eleventh. So not a not a bottom half defense, but they're 
defense was ended up being their Achilles heel the way it was all season. And I don't think that the fact that like, I mean, both teams get tired towards the end of the game. That's why there were like 38 points scored in the fourth quarter or whatever it was. It was a ridiculous amount of second half points and fourth quarter points. I don't think that's reason enough to say like, that's just a reflection on the way a football game goes. Teams make adjustments, but the chiefs defense was their like pain in their, the thorn in their side all season. And it ended up costing them. And if the Patriots so, had, okay, had so gotten marched on, I would say the same thing. No, you wouldn't. If the Chiefs got the ball back, you would not be like, oh, sweet, I'm super pumped that my defense gets a chance to go win the game instead of my quarterback. You're right, I wouldn't, but I would say, okay, now the defense and that is would, the, the fourth best defense in the league this year and was a sneaky good group has a chance to go get the ball back, just like the Rams did against the Saints. I don't know. We're speed. We're, we've we've got reached the like hypothetical point, so we should probably move on. But um, anything else on the? Oh, I guess John. John, you want to share your what you've coined the Super Bowl? <laughs> oh yeah, it's the illegitimate Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> everyone knows that the Super Bowl should have been um, the Chiefs versus the Saints. So we'll just move on with our lives. Okay, cool. Um, do you want to do an Eagles postmortem, John? Really quickly. Um. I mean, we can if we want to. I mean, so especially I was, in light of the news that came out today about Carson Wentz being a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a clubhouse problem. I've read more about that, and I think every significant Eagles player has made a statement saying that Carson Wentz is not a problem at all, and they don't know where this came from. And it, it seems like so. I think it was. I don't. I think it might have been the Philly Voice or whatever that was the one that broke it. I'm not sure, um, but there's been a lot of criticism of them by other people in the Philadelphia media market because they haven't like they're, they're these other groups, like the local, you know, ESPN channel and a couple other that, that haven't been able to get any, anyone to corroborate the statement. Um, so that makes me think that this is more like a, whatever, um, you know, it's, I mean, obviously fake news. Well, I mean, not, not like fake news. Cause I doubt people will just go out and lie to people, but more like a, an isolated incident sort of thing than a, this is how Carson Wentz acts all the time and everybody in the locker room hates him. Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think you get a team that is so excited about Nick Foles if Carson's maybe not as good as Nick Foles, but I think also you don't get Nick Foles just hanging around and being cool with staying there. If Carson Wentz is a total, you know, nut job. Right. Mm. Like, I mean, I think Nick Foles would have left last, left last off season or, asked to walk away if he knew he was going to be made to sit behind this guy and, you know, have to deal with all of his junk. Um, if he was actually a bad guy. So anyway, so the defense I think looks great. We're not losing too many people. Um, in fact, we're only going to get better because our cornerbacks aren't going to all be injured next year. So that's exciting because Jim Schwartz also didn't do good enough this year to get hired away, which is great. Our defensive coordinator, he probably should be a head coach somewhere, but no one in the, the NFL cares about defense. Um, and, He'll probably stay, stay with the Eagles for a bit longer. So I'm excited about that. I mean, the offense has to get a lot better because that was the problem all year long. Um, and hopefully Doug Peterson has realized that. Um, but I think that the actual problem is the offensive line. And we've relied on Jason Peters for like, I don't know, 45 years um, to play on the, on the left side of the, the line. And I think it's time to finally spend some high-level draft picks on O-linemen. Um, so that 
we can at least get a more consistent run game or something. Because, like, Josh Adams played all right as a running back. He'd play a lot better if he had Zach Martin or Nick Martin or, I don't know, any really – Quentin any, Nelson. Any, any Notre Dame offensive line. Yeah. <laughs> Mike McGlinchey. Yeah. Like, some of these Notre Dame linemen aren't, like, that great, but then they show up in the NFL and it's like, oh, we know how to block because we went somewhere where they care about blocking. And it's like, let's draft some guys that went somewhere where they care about blocking I don't really care where. Like you do Oklahoma. Oklahoma's got some good linemen. Um, let's just draft some good linemen and get them in. And I think that the team will be better next year. I think the Cow- I don't know what, what what's going to happen to the Cowboys or the Giants. The Redskins seem like they're just a slow-burning dumpster fire, so I'm not too worried about that. But <laughs> as long as we beat the Cowboys in the offseason, I think we're going to have a good year next year. So Well, you are because the Cowboys are going to back up the Brinks truck to steal a phrase for Dak Prescott, which is may or may not be the right move. Um, But John, you ducked the question, which wasn't asked, but is looming uh, Foles or Wentz. So the team won more with Nick Foles. I think he lost like two games. Um, One of the games he lost though, he threw two interceptions in and they gave up a 14 point lead. And that was with the defense kind of playing amazing. So I like Nick Foles a lot. And I very much appreciate that he finally won a Super Bowl for the Eagles. And I would love him to stay on the Eagles roster till the end of time. But if you're telling me that we're going to invest everything in him to be the starting quarterback, I don't know about that because I think he is really good sometimes, but I think it's more like in a baseball role where this guy's not starting for you every day. He's starting for you maybe 20% of the games, which is I think maybe what he ended up doing. Um, uh, and I think I think that's a great role for him, but I don't think he's a full-time starter. I think there are aspects of his athleticism and his game that just aren't quite all there. But I would love for him and the Eagles – I would love for him to just say, like, look, I don't want to get CTE, so I'll be your backup quarterback until I'm done in this league. And he to just take a pay cut and stay with the Eagles. Because there is no one I feel more comfortable with coming out when someone else is injured than Nick Falls coming out of the field. And the team loves him. I don't know. Everybody loves him, so it'd be great if he stayed. But Carson Wentz is, is, is a better quarterback. So, okay. All right. Uh, anything else in the NFL? Who's the head coach of the Bengals? Don't know. The oh, quarterback the, coach for the Rams. It's Sean McVay's brother-in-law, His friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, it is like a Sean McVay kind of like. Then they it is like, Zach Taylor. Yes, that's right. Who is a, a he quarterback coach for the Rams? Yep. The Sean McVay coaching tree. It's the new, uh, I don't know, the new Andy Reid coaching tree. five years old from Norman, Oklahoma. Oh. So, you yeah. so, so, so you're drafting Kyler Murray, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So Cooper can't take the Bengals job, but maybe there's another oh, one out there. For you. Maybe yeah, maybe there's another one out there for you. Uh, let's do a quick recap of college football playoff too, uh, which has been now quite a few, I guess now like three or four weeks since both the semifinal and the final. We'll start with the semifinal and the Notre Dame Clemson game. Um, speaking from in the stadium, um, it was. It felt like the game was there for the taking in the first 20 minutes. 
there was momentum to be had. There was, the, of course, the overturned fumble on the kickoff that was hugely important. Uh, uh, um, yeah. But then there was also just a clear disparity in talent that was evident, as especially as Julian Love exited for reasons that no one seemed to know. But they torched his replacement, and then Trevor Lawrence torched the rest of the Notre Dame defense too. Um, so I guess I don't know the best way to frame this, but did is Notre Dame truly like a class below? Like, are, are they where they need to be to be a perennial contender with the likes of Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, or is there a really a talent gap there that was exposed? Cause that's the argument people will make, right? Like this is just 2012 all over again. Notre Dame doesn't have the chops to be in that same elite class of college football. Like, was this an indictment or was this just the cards didn't fall our way on that day of the game? John, I'll start with you. Yeah, I, I think part of it is the cards didn't fall the way they could have the day of the game. And like, and that's saying that there was like a decent amount of this game, I don't know, like 25% of this game. I would say that's, that's, that is up to luck. I think, I think, I think that's true in just about every college football game. And there are teams where it's like, yeah, we'll spot you 25% and we're still going to beat you by 30. Um, and I would love for Notre Dame to be there. And we're not in college football. And part of it is because of recruiting restrictions. And part of it is because that it's cold in South Bend, Indiana, and there's <laughs> nothing else around South Bend, Indiana. Um, and I think that affects the way it goes. But I, I think what we really saw was that our offense couldn't move that much against Clemson's defense. We moved a little bit, but not a lot. Um, uh, and when we lost Julian Love, we were down an All-American. Um, now, we don't have All-Americans to throw in on the two-spot um, the two spot in the depth chart, which is a problem for us, but I think there were a lot of moments in that game where, you know, we get the if, – if they, for some reason, don't overturn the fumble on the kickoff, and I don't understand – I still don't understand how that was conclusive um, – but if they don't overturn that, maybe Notre Dame scores right away and it goes from being 3-3 to being 10-3. And then Clemson just runs train over us and, it, and they score as many points as they did before. But then it's like 30-10 to 10 or 33-10 to 10 or whatever it was. And that's a much closer score. Um, maybe Ian Book doesn't fumble. No, it is. I'm, I'm saying there, there's two fum- there are two fumbles that happened. And if Notre Dame gets the benefit of both of them and we get a touchdown on one of them and a field goal on the other – and we give Clemson as many points as they had before, then it becomes 30 to 13, which is still a, a it's still a bit, it's a big loss. Um, and so like, I think, you know, it looks better, but there's a gap there. Um, I think mm-hmm. Brian Kelly did a lot and has, has done a ton since the Alabama game um, in 2012. Like this is, it is not the same problem here. We were victims of some bad depth. And I think just, I mean, you have a first-time starter and a quarterback who isn't Trevor Lawrence, so that's a problem um, if you're playing Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. So I think Notre Dame is on the cusp. I, I mean, Ohio State lost 33 nothing, and no one said anything about that. No one batted an eye about mm, Ohio yeah, State. No one batted an eye, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, people got upset, but it wasn't like, oh, it's not Ohio like That State haunted me for a year. Yeah, but it's not like, it's not like anyone, you know, Oh, Ohio State is clearly an imposter. It's like, no, they had a bad game and Clemson's amazing. Um, and that's the same thing that happened to us. So I think if you give Ian Book another year at starter, although I'm not sure he's going to get it, um, and if you 
you know, fix whatever problems were happening with our offensive line all year, then we have a better shot. And I think we could win, but it's not for another year. I mean, I feel a lot, but this is all after Clemson torched Alabama. Um, right. Made me feel a lot better. <laughs> like, <laughs> then I was like, well, I mean, we didn't give up however many, 27 points in the first half. Um, <laughs> Notre Dame actually lost by a smaller deficit than Bama did. That's yeah. that's been that's been pointed out. I know a lot of places, but uh, Cooper, what do you think? I think lots of things. Um, <laughs> organize all my thoughts. So I think at some point we need to recognize that a lot of these college football playoff games aren't close, and I don't know if I have a reason for that yet. Like I don't, I can't fully work that out, but it's true. Like I think it's really it's hard to think of the games that are close. Like I think Alabama, Alabama, Georgia last year and Georgia, Oklahoma last year were close, but a lot of these games are blowouts. And a lot of these games, there's one team that is clearly better. And so I don't know if it's because of like athleticism or anything like talent level. I do think Notre Dame is a class and I'm not like a class is a wrong word because it makes me feel like there's a huge division when I don't think there is. We just don't have as much depth. I right. Think yeah, there's like, not think as much depth. I think the, tier one is like tier. That's a better way to put it. Alabama Clemson. And then I think there's like almost like tier one B is mm-hmm. Ohio state, Georgia, Oklahoma, maybe Notre Dame. And like, you could probably throw in some other teams there. Like, and so, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a huge division. I think Notre Dame can definitely win a national championship. But I think like what John said, it's going to take for no, teams like Notre Dame to win, for teams like Oklahoma to win, Ohio State to win, like breaks need to go their way. So I think part of that was breaks didn't go our way. And I think part of it is Clemson's a better team. Yeah. Well, Clemson's insulated from some of the breaks because of the depth. Like Dexter Lawrence yes. getting suspended for the... I guess he didn't play in the title game either, right? No, he didn't. So losing... a. For like a pared, like a unanimous first round pick, best defensive nose tackle in fo- college football, and they just said next guy in. Well, yeah, and that so yeah. that this year that crushed it didn't crush Ohio State, but it hurt Ohio State. Like losing Bosa, Nick Bosa yep. sucked. Ohio State couldn't recover from that, and, and so Julian Love was the story for Notre Dame. Losing him, they could not recover in the secondary from like Clemson just went after um, his spot repeatedly. Um, so there have been one, two, three games within 17 points um, with where the margin was less than 17 in the college football playoff era. And you named them all. Oh, no, no. Ohio State, Alabama was. There. Yeah, which, yeah, was kind of close. Alabama. Didn't really feel close. Alabama, Oklahoma, and Georgia, Oklahoma. Why yeah. is Georgia Alabama? Is there some maybe there's some element of just like the best coaches have a month to prepare for a team that they have now 12 weeks of tape on. So like that lends itself to like you knowing exactly what a team is going to try to attack you with and maybe Dabo Swinney and Nick Saban just really are that much better than Although I don't know if I believe that either cuz Urban Meyer I think is, is I think right there, there with those guys. Work, I think there are things that work for you both teams like i think the fact that clemson has a head coach level defensive coordinator who has been mm-hmm. on their staff for five years that's is, 
is huge. It's no different. I said the same thing about Kirby Smart when he was with Saban staff. Like it's a huge advantage. The fact that these teams and Ohio State does it too. Like they pay their coordinators one and a half, two million dollars, and they stay. And so, but like Brett Venables is at uh, easily a power five level head coach. Easily. Like his defense is always good. I think the other thing that Clemson has working in their favor is they don't play anyone. And so like all year long they get to and they do they admitted to it and whatever it leaked and some people denied it but like there's no doubt in my mind they're game planning for Alabama from the very beginning of the season no different than Ohio State does for Michigan they know they're getting there they and they can afford to do that because they play the second best team in their conference is Syracuse yeah no it's just it's just what it is so like all the it all the national championship games are a lot closer except for this year's and the first one between Ohio state and Oregon. So I don't know if there's, I mean, the, the, those three, the, the coaches of the three years in between are Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney and Kirby smarts. So maybe the coaching is better, but I don't know. I think it's just, I didn't think it's getting to the end of the schedule. You have a month off and you know what you game, you game plan against whoever. And the other guy has set up a much better game plan than you. And, Yours falls apart and his doesn't. That seems to just be it. Yeah. And so the challenge now for Notre Dame is going to be, can they get back? Because they lost some pretty crucial pieces. They lost Julian Love, went to the NFL. Miles Boykin, who was their number one wide receiver all year, has gone to the NFL. They lost basically their entire linebacking core in uh, Drew Tranquil and... uh, Davon Coney. Uh, Coney, thanks. So Jerry Tillery. That, that's Jerry Tillery in the front. So that's that's the challenge. Is they they don't have they have they've recruited really well in the last three year four three years, I guess, with Brian Kelly, but they don't have the depth that like they can just reload and roll out another it's gonna be challenging for them to get back, is my fear. Very challenging. I don't I don't know if it's gonna be that. So, to, I mean, getting back is one thing. Winning is another thing. Um, and if you look at our schedule next year. Um, at Georgia, like week two, it's going to be a yeah. doozy. That's going to be, that's a big game. But I think you go beyond that and it's not undo it. Like if, so we, for the first time in like some ridiculous amount of seasons, it might be three or four we're actually going to have the same coordinators. Uh-huh. That's a good point. From the previous season. And I think that's huge. Yep. Um, like, I, I think it's super underrated, but um, I, I don't know. We're, we start off against Louisville. Our first two games are Louisville and New Mexico. And we have a bye week in there. And then we play Georgia. Uh-huh. Uh, and then after Georgia, we play Virginia and then Bowling Green. And then we play USC. And then. Let's just do the over-unders for each game. Yeah, we can do that if you want to. I think, <laughs> I think like, for the first time in however many years, Notre Dame has sanely planned a college football schedule where Louisville should, I mean, it shouldn't be like a cakewalk, but it shouldn't be that, that difficult of a game. New Mexico should be a laugh, and you, you have a bye week in between, and you get, and then you play Georgia the fourth week of the season. I think they've got a shot to, get, to go undefeated again next year, but it's going to be a lot I think the key is actually the offensive line. I think the defense will be, you know, whatever. It might. It's not going to be as awesome as it was this year. But I think the offensive line has to get 
incredibly better from what it was this year. Um, and I think they have a shot to do that because they'll be keeping the same uh, position coach and they've got some good guys in there. But if the offensive line is good and the offense is clicking, the defense is going to have time to figure out what the heck's going on. And they've got a good, good guy leading them. But if they don't, the defense is gonna, isn't going to be able to catch up. All right. How many days till, uh, kick till off. September 2nd? Yeah. Too long. Way too long. Yeah, we, we are now in the, in the official doldrums of winter mm-hmm. where college well i guess we have still the super bowl we have pro, it's pro bowl week though it's the worst week ever it's pro bowl week <laughs> no 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 john we're gonna do a pro bowl preview podcast that'll be dropping later this week are we gonna talk we're gonna draft that? our pro, pro bowl rosters <laughs> oh let's do that <laughs> never forget <laughs> never forget uh all right well john figures out how many days we have till uh, college football kickoff. Should we do waste of data slash? We can just make it like a shout out too, since it's uh, it's been a long podcast and it's been a long time since we have podcasted. But if you guys have waste of data, I'm just hedging because I don't have one. All right, right I do from a really long time ago. Go for it. So, and I'm not gonna like pull this back up because I'm not going into the uh, archives of Twitter. Um, <laughs> but Georgia, all the Georgia players being like super upset that they weren't in the playoff. <laughs> <laughs> Notre Dame got stomped, and then the next day, just getting destroyed by Texas was awesome. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was amazing, and then all the takes about like how you know if Georgia players would have showed up like they did on Twitter in an actual football game, maybe they'd actually be in the playoff. Um, Georgia was not a good football team, and had they shouldn't have been in the playoff. I'm really glad they weren't in the playoff. I have no idea how the committee ranked them ahead of Ohio State because um, they weren't a good football team. They lost the only games that mattered in their season, uh, and that showed against when they played Texas, who I thought was also not a very good football team. So, yeah, I was really happy to see that happen to Georgia. And their mascot got dominated. Oh, their mascot. Oh, he did. That's, he that's when you knew the game was over. Yeah, Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> the game was over right then. Yeah. <laughs> uh. That was great. had no chance. <laughs> I'm going uh, Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine if that happened on live TV? No. Is it my turn? Yeah. That's, sorry. That was a dark turn. Yeah, John, please. <laughs> well, I can't hear anything anymore. Go ahead, John. <laughs> Just start talking. Yeah. Did we lose John? That's so close. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. I'm still here. I'm still okay, here. cool. Go. It's your turn. Okay, so we got 223 days until Labor Day because that is when Notre Dame is kicking off this year. Ooh. Uh, yeah, it'll be a Monday night game um, in theory. Maybe it'll be a Monday day game. Who knows? Um, but my shout out is to the Big Ten um, because they no longer have any coaches that have coached in a national championship game. Um, and I think. This year, we're going to see the rise of the Big 12 because, in part, I think the Big 12 is going to be super highly ranked in all the preseason polls. And the, the narrative is going to be, can the Big 12 get two teams in the playoff instead of the SEC? So I think it's going to be wild, and that's going to last us until at least the first, at least the third week of the season. But I'm excited because it means the SEC is going to be on the back burner. Uh, yeah. That is such wishful thinking. 
Yeah, that's not going to happen. No. No. Just wait. Just wait. Am I going to get something when I get right with this one? All of a sudden, like, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Tennessee will all be, like, ranked 20 through 25. And they're all going to lose an opening weekend. Yeah, but it won't matter. They'll be, you know, preseason polls, and then... Yeah. They'll have four losses. They'll be 11th in the country. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds about right for Kentucky. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or Florida. Although Florida, I guess, kind of vindicated themselves by uh, stomping the the snot out of Michigan, which I know this podcast took satisfaction in. I did not. I did not. Always root for the Big Ten. Really? Yeah, always. This is surprising to me. I had mixed feelings. Wow, this is even more surprising to me. Well, I don't like the Big Ten, but I also don't like the SEC. So it's very difficult. Those bowl, the Outback Bowl and a couple other bowl games are very difficult for me. Yeah. I don't like conferences in general. Soccer. <laughs> I feel like we've been here before. Um, I'll do kind of the reverse wasted data, too, to wrap it up. Uh, I thought Tony Romo was awesome last night. I know this has been like, talked about. This has been talked about. Cooper, are you really going to hate on Tony Romo? Everyone loves Tony Romo. Yeah, because, because the guy's a, he's a savant. On the third he and was... ten that Tom Brady threw to Rob Gronkowski after the Patriots had vacated that whole side of the field. And like I'm screaming at the TV that they're going to throw that slant play. And I don't know. I've never played football. Okay, like, my everyone data is you coming. then. Because, no, he called at least three other plays other where he – not only, and even run plays where he said, look, they're going to – they're moving – whatever, like they're motioning Gronk this way or they're, there was one where he had Brady like checked out of the play and Romo said, Oh, this is probably going to be a run to the right. And it was boom, run to the right. And I, I get the Romo hate cause he is. There's like, still regular, too many grunts and like physical regular pieces. season. It's hard to like put up with his excitement. Sure. It doesn't, but last night his excitement level matched finally like the tenor of the game and it was perfect. I mean, I just don't. I, I think he was good. I think it was way better than regular season Tony Romo. I just Troy don't think, Aikman. I don't think we can get super excited about him, like dissecting some of those Patriots plays, which I thought were so obvious. <laughs> so Cooper, to be clear, Cooper is not only auditioning for uh, head coaching jobs, but also for uh, color commentary. I am. I am. Cooper. Cooper will be able to call out plays just as well as Romo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got to. I could probably make at least some of the same like grunts that he does too. Uh, Jim! <laughs> Cooper, I think you were born to be a baseball play-by-play guy. Oh. <laughs> oh no. Can you imagine? Is there a worse job for Cooper? Yeah. That would be horrible. It's so <laughs> bad. Being forced to watch baseball. And talk about it. And talk. <laughs> Gives me the chills. Sit in the heat. July. The Reds are doing stuff, though. Well, they're going to be close to 500 stuff? this year. I don't know about good. But... Puig, Puig Mania is coming to Cincinnati. Are you ready? I don't care. <laughs> Just don't care. All right. Tune back in next week for our baseball preview podcast. We break down <laughs> all six divisions. Cooper gives his picks. Uh, all right. That's it. That's episode 79. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for if you're still listening sticking around, being patient with us as we took a little holiday hiatus. We're going to be a little more regular now. So uh, we're looking forward to it. We will talk to you guys hopefully next week. Tentatively next week. We know we will talk to you next week. We will. Putting we my will. foot we in the sand. Swear. Pinky swear. My left hand. <laughs> wow.
while I no. cross my fingers on my right. <laughs> no, we'll be back. All right, that's it. That's it. Dope. Dope. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha